The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Has the fantasy football season officially or maybe unofficially begun? Some say that is what the beginning of the Scott Fishbowl drafts represents. And they are underway. We are drafting in those today. We won't really tell you too much about that unless you are interested. You can tweet at us. But it's, you know, we're doing a draft, and that's awesome. And it's really exciting, and it's a new week and time for some rankings disputes here on Fantasy Football Today. Welcome. I'm Adam Azer. I got Heath Cummings and Jamie Eisenberg here. If you want to watch us on YouTube, you can watch live or on demand at youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Did everybody have a great weekend? Great weekend? Yes. Yeah, good? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Good to be uh, home. I was traveling for about eight days, so it was good to be home. Oh, welcome back. Yeah, Jamie hasn't been on the show in a while, so welcome back, Jamie. Did Thank you. you. Missed you guys. Did Missed you go anywhere fun? Um, I was at uh, Disney World's Parks um, okay. twice. Once on the front end of the trip, once on the back end of the trip. Um, don't ask why. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it was great. It's always good to see my kids having fun. and uh, the, the younger two, they're going on rides for the first time. And um, we were in uh, Atlanta for two nights, or two days, one night, uh, which was fun. Went to the aquarium there and uh, the Lego experience, which is, again, a lot of, lot of, lot of theme parks. Um, and then Clayton, Georgia, where my son goes to camp. And so that was fun to do some outdoor stuff. Yes, it was, it was cool. Yeah. If, if you know, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Heath, but Jamie's voice is a little bit higher pitched today because he did go on Tron. And that can be one of the <laughs> you, side you, effects. You like that. <laughs> It's just so uncomfortable for males. Uh, today on the show, <laughs> we're going to do some rankings disputes. Bijan Robinson versus Josh Jacobs. They're basically flipped in the rankings for Jamie and Heath. J.K. Dobbins, Trevor Lawrence versus Tua Tungabailoa. Uh, Derek Carr, Traylon Burks, Jordan Addison, and David Njoku. We got an injury update on Javante Williams. And first, we have this email, email of the day at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is from Andrew. And he says, who is this year's player version 
of the baked burger. Definition, nobody wants them, but they seem to get the job done. The baked burger of fantasy football. I don't get it. What's the baked burger? <laughs> I baked a burger. I baked burgers for 4th of July, and I've been no, getting... No. We need to clarify. Um, he didn't just bake burgers. Like I, That's something that I think is fine, whatever. He can't have a grill. I get it. He came on the day after the 4th of July and basically said he had one of his greatest cooking days ever. The greatest. Okay. The, greatest. the greatest cooking day of his life, which involved baking hamburgers. Yeah. And hot oven. dogs. And not broiling. Wings. Not using the broiler. Just baking them at 400 for 15 minutes. And that was the greatest cooking. Greatest cooking the, whole day thing, no, the whole thing came together so beautifully. I mean, everything was so good, including the burgers. I mean, the corn was good. I didn't bake my, that. My, my favorite responses to that were, uh, that's meatloaf. Yeah, I did see a lot of that. <laughs> but anyway. did, you, did you enjoy it? Oh, delicious. So I'm serious. Like, so but everybody's good. criticizing you about doing it? Yes, of course. So I guess the, the biggest thing would be like, who, who cares? <laughs> as long as you enjoy it. <laughs> well, yeah, more in fun. But uh, yeah, no, the people who have actually done it have been like, Adam, you're right. If I could find the, uh, the sound bite, I'll try to find that. But anyway, who is the, the baked burger of fantasy football? Nobody wants them, but they seem to get the job done. Adam, you were right. Be? There we go. What'd you say, Jamie? Who will it be? Yeah. Um, I feel like this is like a Geno Smith, Jared Goff type of player. I, yeah, I think somebody, somebody in the chat said uh, James Conner. I thought that was a pretty good, uh, like, he falls like around six or seven now. But he's probably going to be good when he's healthy. Does, does the baked burger fall apart? No. Oh, God, no. Oh, no? Okay, never mind then. <laughs> Very, very consistent. I mean, that's the thing. Everyone exactly the same. Very consistent. I, I suggested Daniel Jones because you think it's better than everyone else does. <laughs> I do not. Tyler Lockett? Yeah, I, that actually was a name that came to mind. Tyler Lockett. I, I like Lockett and Connor. Those are good baked burgers. They'll be on all my teams. Um, FFT Dynasty recording tomorrow, usually at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays. Recording tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can watch it live at youtube.com slash today, And we're going to be doing a startup dynasty mock draft, a 1QB startup dynasty mock draft. I'm sure there will be a 2QB one coming up as well, right? Uh, I think we just did it two weeks ago, actually. Oh. You were not a part of it? I wasn't. No. Okay. Yeah. That didn't yeah. really happen. You were invited <laughs> and you responded 15 minutes before the draft started and said, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> we, we'd already filled it. Uh, well, you know. That's 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 actually worked out pretty well for me then. Um, so anyway, uh, tomorrow 10 a.m. Eastern, the uh, the startup mock draft, one QB startup dynasty mock draft, and that episode is going to uh, the audio version is going to drop on Saturday, I believe. So if you want to hear it before that, you can go to YouTube.com/slash Fantasy Football Today. Let's do our news and notes. Jamie Javante Williams says he feels good, and the plan is for him to be cleared for training camp. For Javante Williams, he's going in the 70s uh, based on the last few weeks of NFC drafting, 90 drafts since June 15th. Javante Williams going in the 70s right now. Um, what's your take on this? All signs so still positive, I guess. Well, he's great. I, I think you know the, the quicker he's back on the field, the quicker you get an idea of what kind of player he's going to be. Um, I'm still not sold on him being the you know workhorse guy for the Broncos and and you know, being the player that I think we were hoping he would be at the start of last season, there's enough, you know, data of what these guys coming back from ACLs do in their first year that it should give you enough warning 
signs to you know go all in on Javante Williams. But I think for anybody that's drafted him already or have him in dynasty or keeper leagues, you should be excited. Um, for me, though, I'm still going to probably overlook Javante, and hopefully this pushes down some Ajay P. Ryan, and I'll still be able to get him at a at a better price. Heath, where do you think those two guys should go? Should go. You said Javante's going in round six? He's going like basically the end of round six, 73rd, so beginning of round seven, around there. Okay, I think that's good value. I, I think he's a round six pick. Um, I'd be fine with him in the middle of round six. Um, and I think P. Ryan should go all in a very similar range. Um, I think both of these guys are high-end flexes who will probably have a stretch where they're performing like a high-end number two. P. Ryan is going about 100th, 101st overall. That's a much better value. <laughs> um, okay, well, why, though? I mean, be, at what point would, would it not be? I mean, round seven for Javante and round round nine, basically, for P. Ryan. I guess, do you think P. Ryan should just go ahead of him? Or No, I, I just said I think sorry. Javante should go round six and P. Ryan should go round seven. Yeah, sorry. Dumb question. I think that the thing that you, you, you hope for is that you know, Javante has the higher ceiling and that he performs that way. You know, but Samaje Piran, I think, is is the one that's going to get enough work that will make it impossible for Javante to perform that way. And that if you're looking for just a piece of this backfield, especially probably in the passing game, that's where Samaje Piran will come in. I think and my like, question was was going to be, he was going to be like, what do you need to see from Javante Williams for that for Javante to be better value? I don't think I'm going to believe that Javante is going to be a like one, more than a 1A this season, unless he is. I mean, I think you have to remember he was a, in a pretty tight split with Michael Carter in college. He was in a pretty tight split with Melvin Gordon before he got hurt. I think even if he gets back to 100%, he, I, like Jamie said, I think he'll be more efficient and have more upside, but I don't know that he's ever going to be a guy who's over 15 touches a game. Okay. Baltimore offensive guard Kevin Zeitler said the new offense is going to be fast. And the Ravens are going to attack and attack and attack. That'd be cool. That'd be that's great for fantasy. And I don't really think there's much we have to say about that. So let's go to the rankings disputes. So Bijan Robinson versus Josh Jacobs. If you look at our rankings, Jamie has Bijan Robinson third, and Heath has him the uh, seventh or eighth. And it's basically the exact opposite for Josh Jacobs. So, Heath, you will certainly, as of now, I, I know you've been open to changing the Bijan ranking. You have him seventh, uh, and you have Jacobs second, whereas Jamie has Jacobs seventh. Um, I know that you're open to uh, moving Bijan up. He'll certainly be the low guy on him and probably the high guy on Jacobs within the industry. So discuss why you prefer, not even close right now, Jacobs over Bijan. Yeah, I, I would dispute that characterization that three versus seven or eight at running backs not even close. Um, like four it's or five spots close. in the ranking is, not, not, even is close. not a massive difference. That's not, no, that is not even close. Like that is, uh, if you're okay, doing well, 10, J- J- maybe Jamie will, will agree with you about that as well, but I don't think four or five spots in the running back rankings is not even close. Let me ask you this. You know, <laughs> I, sometimes I say if I did 10 drafts, I would take this guy in five of them and this other guy in five of them. But your rankings would suggest that if you did 10 drafts, you'd take Josh Jacobs over B. John Robinson 10 out of 10 times. And I, but I would not. If I did 10 drafts and I was playing for money in all of them, I'd probably take Jacobs in seven of them, and I'd probably take Bijan in one or two. Okay. <laughs> or six of them, maybe even five. That's Jamie, all, that's do, a lot of do you agree? Not even close? 
Four spots? No, that's very close. It's not that close. <laughs> <laughs> what Josh Jacobs is, is is your number two. Like, I agree that if we're talking about, like, wide receiver 35 versus wide receiver 31, that's really close. When Josh Jacobs is your number two running back, okay. not even close I, to RB7. I think I've justified multiple times why I think Josh Jacobs is the number two running back. It's just because he's one of the only young workhorse backs um, coming back. And hopeful, we're hoping Bijan's going to be that guy. I think Bijan has more competition for touches at running back. Um, Josh McDaniel's offenses historically have produced a lot more throws to running backs than Arthur Smith's offense. A lot more throws, period. Um, and they've averaged 91 targets to Falcons to running backs the last three years, and that includes the throws to Cordero Patterson where he was lined up as a wide receiver half the time. So it's just I have – I think that the concerns I have for Jacobs is if Jimmy's on the pup to start camp, then I get more worried about that offense. Or if Jacobs actually holds out to start camp, then I've got more concerns about that. But if both of those guys are there on camp, I just have more certainty in Jacobs' role. All right, Jamie has Bijan Robinson ahead of Josh Jacobs, and it's not even close. He's got Jacobs seventh. <laughs> He's got Jacobs seventh and Bijan third. Um, yeah, so uh, anyway, go ahead, Jamie. What's your rebuttal? Well, I mean, he's kind of made it for me with his concerns about Jacobs because I shared the same ones. I, I think the, the quarterback situation, even if Garoppolo's there, is worse um, because I think it's a step down from, from maybe Derek Carr. I think what we've seen from Jacobs the last couple of seasons has been, and, and this is going to be an interesting test case, when there's been guys absent in the offense is when his passing game numbers have spiked. And so, you know, Waller missing time last year, that's the best stretch of games that we saw from Jacobs in the passing game the year before. It was when Waller and Hunter Renfro were both out. And so, you know, we'll see now with Waller being gone, but obviously the addition of, of Jacoby Myers. Uh, but really it's just the whole thing. You know, Jacobs just really makes me concerned about the situation. I, I think the Raiders could conceivably be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, based on what everything that's happened to them this offseason. Uh, so I'm just I'm just a little down on, on what the situation can be. Yes, he's a star. You know, he's 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 proven that when even when things haven't been right, he's been productive. And then last year when things were fantastic for him, he leads the league in rushing and has a superstar season. So he's got that upside. He's got the ability to be uh, the NFL's leading rusher again, you know, if if this offense doesn't completely tank. Um but I, I just look at it at, uh, for, for what the upside is for Bijan. Yes, he's probably going to share touches more so than Jacobs. I don't, I don't think that's a question. But there's so many opportunities there. And I think we'll see another wrinkle in this offense, you know, from what Arthur Smith told me and how they're going to use Bijan and just how they're going to, you know, deploy him as a receiver, which I think is something that he could de- definitely do and, and do it better than Jacobs as a pass catcher because he showed that in college. So I'm just more excited about Bijan. I'm more uh, confident in in the situation there. I think the the schedule is more favorable for the Falcons. I think the offensive line is better for the Falcons, um, and maybe in the quarterback situation is better for the Falcons. You know, if 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 Jimmy's not right and and like he said, he starts on the pup list, or maybe they go a different direction as they've you know sort of indicated is a possibility. So barring Tom Brady coming out of the ownership box and and maybe taking over the the reins of this offense, I'm just a little bit concerned about the Raiders overall. Okay, why do you think Heath? Uh that the public is so much more on Bijan than Jacobs. He is a lot more. I mean, it's, he's very, really, really exciting. He's a running back who was just taken in the top 10 in an Arthur Smith offense. And Arthur Smith used to run an offense at that Derrick Henry. Right. Um, and it's the, uh, it's, if, if I could do my Chris Towers impersonation, um, Josh Jacobs is Josh Jacobs. If Bijan Robinson could be anything. Yeah. 
Except that I think the problem is Josh Jacobs has has been a different fantasy player for the first three years of his career than he was last year. But he had a top ten. I mean, it's not like sure. I, he had a, a season where he averaged like we talk about Tony Pollard, and I think a lot of people have Pollard ranked ahead of Jacobs. Pollard last year was what Jacobs was the th- basically the three years before this year. But he did that in a shared situation, right? As the number two back, right? A little different. Yeah, well, I think the no, one thing with I, uh, I don't really believe he's always been in a shared situation. I don't believe he's going to be a, a workhorse running back this year. I think Tony Pollard will still be in a shared situation. Well, he might be not in the current construct of the roster right now, though. But if they bring back Zeke, then then sure. I think if it's the guys that he's on the roster with now, he's going to dominate touches. I can't see them, you know, all of a sudden saying, "Oh, Deuce Vaughn, just because your dad's a scout, we're going to make you a." Uh, a significant player or a guy that couldn't get on the field under Ronald Jones. You know, I, I would hope that you know, the the commitment to Tony Pollard suggests he's going to take that next step and 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 get the maybe not the same opportunities that Josh Jacobs gets, but in in a better situation. I I think the thing about um, Jacobs that you know is to to what you said, Adam. You know, the first you know part of his career versus last year. Well, last year, new coach, as Heath alluded to. You know, Josh McDaniels is is obviously very good for. Uh, for what Jacobs wants to do. And then the contract situation, you know, that, that's still the same. You know, so despite the fact that he might hold out, which is clearly a huge negative if that's going to be the case. But yeah. if, if he comes back, he plays, he says, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to you know, try to earn what you owe me or what some other team should hopefully pay me. Um, then you got to be excited about that because that was something that probably played into his production last season. And, and I will say, I, I'm pretty much, I don't know anything about it. Um, I'm, pretty much dismissing the chances of Josh Jacobs actually not playing football games because of his contract. I just don't think you can look at what's happened. And I, I understand why running backs don't think it's fair, and I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with them. But I don't think you can look at what's happened with Saquon doesn't get what he wants and Dalvin doesn't get what he wants and Hunt and Zeke <clears throat> and Fournette are all just sitting out there rotting. Um, I can't imagine sitting out because you think the situation's going to get better. Well, I might take Bijan Robinson in the Scott Fishbowl in just a moment. So we will see uh, as I am on deck. And we are going to take a break. And when we come back, J.K. Dobbins. Big uh, difference in the rankings here for Jamie and Heath on J.K. Dobbins. And we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, J.K. Dobbins is 15th at running back for Jamie and 25th for Heath. And where is he going right now in NFC average draft position since June 15th? Right in the middle, basically. RB19, 58th overall, the end of round five in a 12-team league. So J.K. Dobbins, again, Jamie's got him as RB15. Heath is RB25. Jamie, a little bit higher than ADP. Heath, a little bit lower. Go ahead, Jamie. First word on Dobbins. I mean, you started the show by you know saying what Kevin Zeitler thinks this offense is going to be, and I, I think it's going to benefit 
uh, J.K. Dobbins in a big way. First off, I don't think you're going to have to worry too much about Gus Edwards taking him off the field because I think Gus Edwards is still dealing with a little bit of an injury situation himself. I think it's going to be a career high in receptions for Dobbins. I like the way this offense is trending. I think they're going to be back to the level of what they looked like. I'm not saying same, but just in terms of how productive they were in Lamar Jackson's MVP season because I think, like Zeitler said, new offense coordinator, uh, more up-tempo, more downfield throws, more opportunities just for everybody across the board to get into the end zone. And we've seen that, you know, even though Lamar Jackson is not the type of quarterback to necessarily rely on throwing to his running backs when things break down, I think we'll see a lot more design passes to Dobbins. So, again, I don't think he's going to have a Christian McCaffrey-like explosion as a receiver, but I do think he can approach 40-plus catches, which for him would be huge. What we saw from him last year was when he came back from the second knee injury, he looked more explosive and looked more like himself. And now he's going to be two years removed from that knee injury when we thought he was going to be one of the best breakout running backs. And I think Heath was actually driving that train um, a couple years ago. So uh, system is going to be great for him. Player, I think, is, is certainly productive. He's another guy complaining about his contract because he's about to enter, enter contract season and seems to be a little bit disgruntled. So hopefully that motivation, like we saw maybe from Barkley and from Jacob last year, uh, lends itself to that. So I'll be a little bit bullish on him. Um, I do think there's an opportunity for him to have maybe his best season in the NFL if he can stay healthy this year. Yeah, I think we're both projecting to have his best season in the NFL. Um, I I love J.K. Dobbins. And most of these, like not not so much the Jacobs one, but most of these, when I saw them, Adam, like the first thing I'm looking for is, okay, why am I so far off on, or who am I so far off on? And is there something that I'm not considering? And I... Like the problem for me with Dobbins is that he's basically got four or three four week stretches in the NFL where he was kind of the guy. Um, week eight through 11 is rookie year, week 14 through 17 is rookie year, and week 14 through 17 last year. In those three stretches, the highest percentage of the team's rush attempts he saw was 43%. And I, it might be that maybe Gus is just going to disappear. Uh, the Monken track record in terms of distributing running back touches is pretty mixed. He's got a couple of years with a feature back. I don't think he's opposed to it. He's got a, more years where it's two or three guys sharing. But I'm just having a hard time projecting Dobbins for 50 60% of the team's rush attempts, especially with Lamar there. And he's not ever really been involved in the passing game. But I do agree with Jamie about the potential talent, or at least what I thought the talent was coming into the NFL. Um, we just haven't been able to see him put together that for very long. So Jamie has Dobbins ranked ahead of Madison, Damian Pierce, Travis Etienne, Miles Sanders, Brees Hall, among others. Uh, I don't know. Those guys are all ahead yeah. of him for me. Um. Yeah, I don't really know where else to where else to go with it. I mean, different opinions there. I think it's a workload issue, obviously. And well, and I, it's it's a it's one where you just have to make a bet one side or the other, because we don't really like we don't know are Lamar's rush attempts going to stay the sta same or go down? Are the team's rush attempts going to stay the same or go down? I we it's a it's a brand new offense, and we're just going to have to guess a little. Yeah, they don't. They haven't given it to their running backs much the last two years. In the four years of the, you know, the previous four years of the Lamar Jackson era, Baltimore uh, running backs have been seventh, thirteenth, thirtieth, and twentieth in just running back carries, um, and closer to thirtieth in running back targets. But uh, it's bottom four in all, all four seasons. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much that's worth. Right. 
it's a good just point. a guess. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do like, though, is that I mentioned this last week. It, one thing about um, Lamar Jackson is while he does get some rushing touchdowns, he's not the goal line guy that Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts have been, or so far in his career, right. he has right. not been. So running backs actually do get most of the goal line touchdowns, uh, the goal line rushing touchdowns uh, for the Ravens. All right, let's go to a quarterback dispute here. Two quarterbacks who did most of their damage in a four or five game stretch. Trevor Lawrence is eighth for Jamie and Tua is 12th. And it's the, I'm pretty sure it's the exact opposite for Heath where Tua is eighth and Lawrence is 12th. Yes. So actually Lawrence is 11th. So or, uh, Tua is 11th for Jamie, but basically eighth and 12th, but flops. Tua versus Lawrence. Jamie <coughs> likes Lawrence better. And Heath likes Tua better. Trevor Lawrence scored 43% of his fantasy points in a five-game stretch. Tua scored 52% of his fantasy points in four games last year, week two, and then weeks eight through ten. Uh, Heath, you can have the first word here. Why you clearly, not even close, <laughs> prefer Tua to Trevor Lawrence. I'm. This is just going to be a Tua love fest. I don't have anything bad to say about Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I do think that even with the addition of Calvin Ridley, Tua still has better weapons. And I think that the, within the industry, and especially amongst um, fans, people need to remember who Tua is. Like This guy, is a 19-year-old, took the starting job away from Jalen Hurts and finished second in the Heisman race. Last year, he had a five-game stretch where he was on pace for 5,300 yards and 41 touchdowns. And that doesn't include a game where he threw for 469 yards and six touchdowns. I think if Tua plays 17 games this year, he's going to be in the Allen, Mahomes, Hurts discussion. Wow. That's bold. (laughs) I I know it is, but I just, I, I think he's really good. He's got the best wide receiver duo in the league and he's going to get to throw it a ton. And so I, yeah, there's, there's the risk that he gets hit and then with a concussion one time and it's all over. But I, I think we had that concern with Brandon cooks for two or three years and it didn't happen. Right. Do you, Heath, uh, hold the, what I said, 52% of his fantasy points came in four games, hold that against Tua because I, I have heard a little bit of, well, Trevor Lawrence had a good five-game stretch. Backhanded Cowboy. Yeah, I mean, it it would bother me more if he had played more games. Right. You know, I mean, four games was 40% of his season, right? Or 33% of his season? Depends if you count the games. he. Well, he left one game early with an injury. Tua played uh, 13 games, so that's 12. So he scored... So if we get rid of that Bengals game where he scored 2.4 fantasy points, Tua scored 52% of his fantasy points in a third of his season. Right. Whereas, uh, Lauren, oh, I'm not going to do the math. You know, Jamie and I were trying to coordinate me muting Jamie's mic so he could clear his throat. <laughs> and, I, and I did mute him for a while and then like totally missed the, the window there. And then you heard him clear his throat. All right, Jamie, you like Lawrence uh, four spots better than Tua. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with what Heath is saying about Tua's upside, but there's obviously the downside of what happens with him, and I think it's it's clearly you got to build that into how you're evaluating him. Um, the nice thing is, though, it's the position where if you do miss, you hopefully have you know some fallback options, right. especially if most people in your league don't take two quarterbacks. That being said, I, I I think you know the upside for Lawrence is easily to join that same group of 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 quarterbacks that Heath listed as well. 
And let's not forget who he was, the most hyped you know, prospect coming out of college since Andrew Luck, you know, so one of the most hyped prospects ever. So better than what people thought Tua was going to be. I think the, the thing that's nice is, yes, the uh, Dolphins have a better wide receiver Do I saw this today, though, that the Bengals and the Jaguars, the only uh, two teams in the NFL that have uh, three receivers and a tight end that were drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Take that for what it's worth, mm. you know, in terms of what their, their prospects were, but that's a pretty good place to be if you're just looking at the group. So it's the addition of, of Calvin Ridley, you know, to what the receiving core looked like last year. It's what Doug Peterson was able to bring out of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that stretch of games, you know, is a little bit misleading, I think, because he probably would have had a couple better games if the rain situation didn't happen in that one outing when he was on fire, I believe it was against the Titans. Um, but I love the schedule for the Jaguars. I think, you know, just the matchups are, are extremely favorable. Uh, situation just lends itself to him, I think, having the breakout season we've been waiting for for two years. Uh, so I'll take Lawrence safety-wise over Tua, and I think upside as well. I think he's going to have a bigger season than Tua this year. Uh, the only thing I would say is, like, in a, especially in a two quarterback or super flex league, I think the floor argument matters more. Um, I think in a one quarterback league, Tua and Trevor Lawrence have the same floor because I can stream what Trevor Lawrence did last year, and I think what Trevor Lawrence did last year is what his floor is probably. I I guess my my concern with Tua is that he lit up these terrible defenses and then really came back down to earth after that. I, there were definitely some circumstances, but. And there's a lot of games here of fewer than 18 fantasy points, you know, against. Well, part, you know, part of that was the score. One game was the score. What, uh, the Texans game? The Texans game. Yeah. Well, he was also getting beat up in that game, too. Which Right. Uh, look, he was great against the Texans. He scored 18 points, but he was great in that game. Um, yeah, but wasn't that the game where Armstead got hurt and then he started getting yes. pummeled? Yeah, yeah, right. He left that game because he was getting his butt kicked once Teron Armstead left, and they, and they, and they were really pummeling uh, Houston. But he stunk against San Francisco. He didn't stink against San Francisco. He had 18 <laughs> points. He had a 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the game, and then the offense was was awful after that. He stunk against the Chargers. He was fine against the Bills. He was terrible against the Packers, but he was playing through concussions, it seems. So there are a lot of excuses. But if you look at the game log, more bad games than good games for Tua. That's my point. I mean, let's not. We can't completely forget about weeks one and week three. They existed. But we would agree that, like in the NFL, two has been better than Trevor Lawrence. No, I would not agree with. Uh, I mean, <sighs> uh, you forget, like Tua. Tua has. Tua was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah. They're, they're, like Tua's year too. wasn't good. <laughs> but well, well, if we're counting that year though, like Trevor, we're not going to hold that against him because Trevor Lawrence was like QB thirty-one his rookie year. Okay, so what if we just compared their second seasons? I would say Lawrence's was better. Um, that's probably true. Yeah. Now that's that's comparing Tua two years ago to Lawrence last year. Yes. Okay. Because Tua was definitely better last year. Yeah, Tua was. Was he? Was he better last year? Who scored more points per game? Tua, a point and a half better. With with the Bengals game, including the Bengals game, including all games. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next argument here. Next fight is Derek Carr. <laughs> uh, Jamie's got him as QB 20. Heath has him as QB 30. He's QB 19 in ADP. Uh, by the way, Trevor Lawrence is QB 7 in ADP, and Tua is QB 11, which is basically exactly how Jamie has it. And the same goes with Derek Carr. It's exactly how Jamie has it. Um, but Heath, you hate Derek Carr forever. Can't we just play the clip from last year or the year before or the year before that? Why like, 30? I wanna, Why 30? I don't want to talk bad about Derek Carr. He seems like he's a good guy. Um, I just, like, 
the reason he projects so low, the Saints have averaged 508 pass attempts per game the last three years. They went out and signed Jamal Williams and drafted Kendry Miller. I think it's a low-volume pass offense. Derek Carr has no rushing upside, and he does, he's not an elite efficiency guy. So I just don't see any path to Derek Carr. I mean, the path is that they completely change their offensive philosophy and throw the ball a bunch. But he's not going to throw a bunch of touchdowns. He's not going to produce a high number of or high efficiency. I just don't think he's. There's a very good likelihood that he is even a starter in a two quarterback league. Oh wow! Not a top. You don't think there's a good likelihood that Derek Carr is a top twenty-four quarterback? No. He's always a top twenty-four quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you like they signed Jamal Williams and drafted Kendry Miller. They got a starting running back who's who's you know possibly facing suspension. How is that really that big of a deal to you? I don't have any reason to change. Like, I if they increase thirty pass attempts, they're still throwing it less than most teams, and he doesn't run, and he's not good. All right, Jamie, you got Derek Carr twentieth. Yeah, I mean, I think he's an easy starter in a two QB league, and and you know if you give Michael Thomas a full season, which is hard to do, but if he does play, let's say, the majority of the season, that's a hell of a receiving core with what Olave projects to be and Michael Thomas, what he still could be. Uh, if Alvin Kamara is there for the majority of the season, you know, with Rashid Shaheed and Jawan Johnson as complementary options and whatever else they decide to put on the field, Foster Moreau or, you know, the other running backs out of the backfield, I, I, I think it's a pretty good receiving core. But again, it's going to depend on, you know, hopefully a healthy Michael Thomas, which is part of you know, I think how you have to factor this in, but there's no cold weather games for Derek Carr. We don't have to worry about that. There is zero (laughs) cold weather games at (laughs) all for the season. He's at Green Bay in week three. He's at New England in week five. I'm just looking at it now. Uh, And then everything else to close the season is one outdoor game. One. After week... After week five. What? Is his last outdoor game? <laughs> That's amazing. No, no, I'm sorry. His one out, I'm sorry. His one outdoor game after week 5 is at Tampa Bay in week 17. Everything else is indoors. It's a very favorable schedule. I think you're going to see a little bit different offense from what we've seen from the what we saw from the Saints last year because they obviously did not trust their passing game. Andy Dalton was a shell of what he was and he wasn't even good to begin with. And so we'll see if Derek Carr is better than that, but I think Carr's <laughs> a better quarterback. I think the receiving core is going to be better. I think this team is going to be better. This this should be the best team in the this conference a- in in the me, in the division. Um, and it might not be close if their defense holds to form. So uh, Derek Carr is an easy starter in two-quarterback league, and he still has – he's going to be one of these – you know, go back to your baked burger situation. He's going to be one of these guys, like, by the middle of the season when you have a quarterback injury or somebody struggling that you're going to be okay starting with because he'll get you to that 20-point threshold, which he did for the majority of last season too. Um, you know, he, he wasn't as bad, I think, as people think when you take away his two two-point performances uh, before he was inexplicably benched by the way the Raiders handled that. I was just, what a great this, moment we just had here on FFT. I, I, I know that you really enjoy this imaginary chasm that we've created between Derek Carr and Andy Dalton is like there's just no statistical basis for it. I just he, he's just like Dalton. He doesn't have he doesn't have red hair, so I I get that. If you don't if you don't like people with red hair, I understand that. But like that. No, Andy Dalton in his prime was as good as Derek Carr is in his prime. I mean, they're 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 the same right. guy. But last year's version of Andy Dalton was not good. Last couple of years' versions of Andy Dalton were not good. Yeah, I, I I think the NFL Heath obviously thinks Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback at this stage, and I think that Derek Carr is about two years behind Andy Dalton. 
Okay, uh, so that two-year window is, is going to help, obviously. It, well, we remember what happened to Andy Dalton. Where Andy Dalton was team. last year to where Derek Carr is this year. Derek Carr is a better quarterback. That's going to be, I think, proven out by the way the Saints dis- de- deploy their offense and by the way that the production comes across for everybody on that team. All right, let's talk about Traylon Burks here. You both are higher than his ADP, which is wide receiver 33. Traylon Burks, Jamie has him 29th, and Heath has him 20th. Jamie, why are you uh, at 29, lower than Heath, on Traylon Burks? I just can't find a way to get him higher. You know, for me, there's like a group of wide receivers, like from like 20 to 30, and he's in that group of just, I I don't have a problem if this is my number two receiver. I would love it if they're my number three receiver. Um, But I I think the the upside for Traylon Burks is off the charts. You know, it's just a matter of how many games is Ryan Tannehill going to start and how many games is Traylon Burks going to stay healthy? It's it's one of those situations where there's there's so many targets available. I think it goes for you know Okonko as well. Those two guys I think should dominate targets there. And a very underrated player who I think you should keep an eye on is Kyle Phillips and just what he did in camp and to start the season last year um, as their second slash third option in the passing game. But Traylon Burks has just a ton of upside. You know, I mean, what he started to show at the end of last season, um, the uh, the prospect he was coming into the league and then the unfortunate mini camp and training camp and just some of the injuries that he dealt with, just that whole team being bad. But uh, I think if Ryan Tannehill starts the majority of the season, Traylon Burke's going to have a chance for a big year and I'll probably regret having him outside my top 24. So I, 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 I appreciate it and I hope people that are in the Traylon Burke's camp are following his rankings and drafting him. Probably, probably not far off from where our overall ranking is. Um, they're probably, quote, very close. Um, so I, I think there's, uh, there's a lot to love about Traylon Burks, but I just can't get him ahead of a few guys that I like in front of him. I, I think 20 is a little too high. I think I dropped him down to 24. So it's, uh, I agree, though, with what Jamie said about there are, I think, eight wide receivers between 18 and 27 for me, so nine or 10 that are within eight or nine points for the entire season in my projections. Um, Burks is on the wide range of out comes end of that like I think he has more upside than a lot of the guys in that range and he has more downside I've mentioned it before but his final year at Arkansas kind of a similar situation a team that ran the ball more than they threw the ball didn't do much at all in terms of passing he accounted for 35 percent of the team's receiving yards and 50 percent of the team's receiving touchdowns and currently the number two wide receiver is going to be Nick Westbrook or Kyle Phillips Mm mm-hmm I mean, yeah. they're going to be run heavy, but A.J. Brown averaged eight targets per game in this offense. I've got Burks at seven and a half. I think he can be a number two wide receiver if, if he stays healthy. Yeah, two guys, Jamie, that I thought maybe you could make an easy case to put Burks ahead of would be McLaurin and Deontay Johnson, just on upside. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. It, uh, Johnson's a little tough for me in PPR just because I think he's going to bounce back, and I think he'll mm. find the end zone a couple times um, at, <laughs> at, at, at the very least. Um so that, that's a tough one, but McLaurin is certainly there. Uh, I have Hopkins ranked ahead of him right now. We'll see where he ends up, and they could be teammates, which would be annoying. Um, but that's one. If he's in New England, I probably would lean toward the upside of Burks just in that offense versus Hopkins with Mac Jones. Um, I'd feel more comfortable with that upside. Um, and then even Christian Kirk, you know, just being the number two guy there versus Burks being the, the number one guy there. So those, those are a handful of guys in that range that I could see myself moving Burks out of. It's actually a good point that you mentioned Hopkins because if you are – in the Scott Fishbowl or whatever you're drafting now, you, you definitely do need to take that into account yep. with Burks because they have been fairly aggressive, it seems. The, the, there, the are there more veteran landmines sitting out there in free agency in mid-July than there usually are? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, who are the real—obviously Cook and Hopkins. Is anyone I else Zeke, really— I think Zeke probably. Oh, Zeke, yeah. Well, Zeke, if he probably goes back to Fournette. the Cowboys— 
Zeke and Fournette yeah, probably I, just stink right now, right? What? Zeke and Fournette. I mean, like, they're not that good. They're kind of Andy Dalton. They're not. They're not very good at the things that we like in fantasy football. I would agree with that. But I think if if a team brings them in, they're probably going to get some high value touches in the green yeah. zone. All right, let's take a break. Yeah, in the green zone. <laughs> let's take a break, and when we come back, two more players to talk about: Jordan Addison and David Ajoku. After this, another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jordan Addison. Heath is again the high guy, and Jamie is right there with ADP. Jamie's got Addison as wide receiver 39, and that's where he's going right now. I moved him up uh, after I saw your email. I'm on the 36. 36 ahead of ADP. Uh, He's a round eight pick right now, Jordan Addison. But Heath says, hold my beer. Did I use that right? I think you did. 27th wide receiver 27 on Jordan Addison. Um, well, first off, and I don't have the Vikings yet projected for more pass attempts than, than last year, but I think that there is some sneaky upside in this passing game even more than what they did last year because they did have one of the highest um, situation-neutral pass rates. They won 13 games. We all think everybody thinks the Lions are going to be better than them now, which means the Vikings are probably going to win nine games or eight. Um, there should be a lot more passing opportunities. Last year, they threw 407 passes to wide receivers. That was second only to Tampa Bay. The year before, O'Connell's Rams threw 432 passes to wide receivers, second only to Buffalo. So Justin Jefferson can earn 180 targets, and Jordan Addison can still earn a target tar- number of targets to be a number a top 24 wide receiver. He, I think he's as long as he can handle the physicality, he's going to be a star in this league. Wow. Okay. Jamie? What do you think? Do you have the splits of what that was for Kevin O'Connell's offense after they got Hawkinson in terms of targets to wide receiver? Um, I, I don't. Do. I mean, I can get percentage, but we were looking at total number of passes compared to the rest of the league. So we'd have to knock that down to per game. 407 divided by 17. So last year it was 23.9 per game. Would you like the target shares with after the Hawkinson trade? Sure. All right, Jefferson had a 28%, Hawkinson 22.4%, Osborne and Thielen were a little bit over 14%. So we're definitely yeah, going to need, need more than that, <laughs> more than 14%. The thing that makes me a little concerned is that there's 107 targets available if you just take away Thielen, what Thielen, I think it's 107, right? Uh, what, what Thielen did mm-hmm. last year and, and what they have. And yes, they, they were among, if, they, if not leading the league in past temps, right? They were among the league leaders in past temps. They were top five. Yeah. Um, so they're going to throw the ball a lot. That's going to be what Kevin O'Connell wants to do, especially you take away Dalvin Cook. I don't care what you think of Alexander Madison. They're not going to run the ball more. 
So they may run the ball about the same, you know, so, you know, five more carries, 10 more carries, whatever it ends up being across the season, 25 more, you know what, you get what I'm, what I'm saying. Um, it scares me the reports of K.J. Osborne still showing out in camp, um, that Addison just dominates targets comparatively from the number two guy to number three guy. Justin Jefferson is such an alpha, and T.J. Hawkinson is going to be still a dominant tight end presence there and just presence on that team that I just don't know if he's going to go from the 107 to 125 plus. That's the concern for me. And so I think if he's still in that 110 range, it's hard for Addison to necessarily break out above that. Now Jefferson gets hurt. Jefferson doesn't have the same uh, scoring potential, which I don't think anybody expects to have a, a steep decline. And Hawkinson completely goes away. Then I just don't see the, the target share for Addison being as dominant as I think Heath expects it to be. So I love the talent. I love the potential. He was one of my favorite guys coming in this draft. Uh, at any position, and I think the landing spot is great, but I just don't know if he's going to have the amount of opportunities without finding the end zone, let's say like Jahan Dotson did last year, to have that immediate impact right away as, as a rookie. Like I wouldn't, It wouldn't be surprising to me, especially if there's an injury to, to one of the Chargers guys, if Quentin Johnston is better. And same thing maybe with Seattle if Jackson Smith and Jigba is better, you know, just based on what those two guys also profile as as well coming into the league. But I, I love Addison. I think he's a, he's a great number three receiver. I just don't want to overvalue him because he's replacing Adam Thielen and taking just necessarily more targets away from, from what the Vikings do. Yeah, do you, okay, so let's say he gets 117 targets. <laughs> Think about the difference of what these two wide receivers did with that. But Drake London had 117 targets last year. He had 72 catches, 866 yards, and four touchdowns. You would think that Addison would do better than that, right? If he got 117 targets? Yes. What about Jalen Waddle's 117 targets? <laughs> 75 <laughs> catches, 1,356 no. yards, eight touchdowns. No. Um, I don't think he would do that well. I think, be, I think he would be in the middle of those two. So he'd be Brandon Ayuk. 78 catches, 1,105 yards, eight touchdowns on 114 targets. Uh, yeah, I would take the under. The under? Ayuk was wide receiver 24, 23 per game. I, I think if he gets 117 targets, that's about right. I've got Jefferson at 174, Hawkinson at 136, Addison at 129, and Osborne at 97. Okay. Last rankings fight. It's been mostly civil. Sorry we had to bring Andy Dalton into this. David Njoku, number nine, tight end nine for Jamie, tight end six for Heath. He's not even close. Not even close. <laughs> I do. I do think that. I, I mean, the principle that I have discovered here is that if you're talking about the difference in your rankings between somebody like in the, a running back or wide receiver in the top three or four, it's really mm -hmm. not even close between that guy and a wide receiver eight. There, there's a pretty okay. big gap it's between the surefire first round pick. Um, okay. So anyway. Uh, this is close, though. David Njoku is tight end 9 for Jamie and tight end 6 for Heath. He is tight end 10 going in round 10 in average draft position. Uh, okay, Jamie, you can go first. Njoku, so let's take a look at some of the guys you have ahead of Njoku. It would be the you know the usual suspects plus Pat Fryermuth. That's really it. You know, it's Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts, Waller, Goddard, Kittle, Fryermuth, Njoku, whereas Heath has Njoku ahead of Kittle, Fryermuth, and Waller. Go. A lot of mouths to feed in this offense. And, you know, we're going to find out quickly how much Deshaun Watson and his contract went out over what Kevin Stefanski, I think, still wants to do, which is to run the ball and be a, a run-first, a run-heavy offense, I, I think, based on what we've seen from him. 
Now, granted, the quarterbacks that he's had uh, have probably dictated that and why he's done that, but he's also had some pretty good running backs as well. So I, I still think it's going to be tough for him to you know, be in that range of uh, targets that we like for tight ends, which is first or second on the team. Um, I think Amari Cooper leads the team in targets. I'm going to guess Elijah Moore is probably second. And then David Njoku hopefully is third because I, I still love his, his upside, his potential. Now, clearly Stefanski's offense have been favorable for tight ends, which is what you like about Njoku. Um, but, you know, the, the career has told us that he's more disappointed more times than not. And again, I just don't know if he's going to get enough opportunities to be in the top five range, which if you're ranking him six, you got to have that expectation. So uh, for me, he's a guy that I will settle for as opposed to target. And I hope that he just stays healthy and gets enough opportunities to be productive in this offense. Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, he finished, what, seven or eight last year, and one of us got him six, and the other one's got him nine. I I don't know, like, any of those things seem reasonable to me, but I don't worry about his struggles with Watson at the end of last year, because if Watson's bad, then they're all bad. But if Watson bounces back, he had had actually a higher target share with Deshaun Watson than he did the first seven weeks of the season when he was so good. Um, So I I, he was at 20.7%. That's elite for a tight end. Uh, Browns have been top five in tight end target percentage, I think, every single year under Stefanski. Uh, I think they're going to throw more. And so same share, bigger pie, more production. So if you look at the last five games of the season, Njoku, Watson played six, and Njoku missed the first of those six games. Last five games, you've got Watson, Cooper, Peoples-Jones, and Njoku all on the field. And the targets were shockingly evenly distributed Peoples-Jones had 28 targets, and Njoku had 28 targets. Peoples-Jones, though, had 12 of those targets in the first game of that stretch and then basically was invisible after that. So they both had 28 targets, and Cooper had 30. So that's three guys basically exactly even in targets there. Unfortunately, Njoku just didn't do much with the targets, and like, as Jamie said, and as Heath said, he doesn't really care because Watson wasn't very good there. Um, but he was on pace for 95 targets in those games and was on pace for only 558 yards but seven touchdowns um he's an interesting player uh because last year was the first year former former first round pick but the first year where he really got a chance to shine except that's what i thought but then you look at his second year in the league i don't know if this matters to you at all but he was second on the team in targets and they actually had a pretty good passing game that year that was baker's rookie year and if they threw for well over four thousand yards 29 touchdowns as a team and Njoku had like 88 targets and he stunk. So I don't know, man. Like I, I want him to be better than he has been. He hasn't been that good. He's terrific after the catch, but I don't know. It just the numbers haven't been there. Heath, there was a five-game stretch before he got injured, weeks uh, three through eight, I think. Mm-hmm. He was incredible. Um, absolute stud. Uh, probably one of the, you know, I'm just gonna guess number two or three tight end in that stretch. Um but I don't know. I guess the problem, I just don't know how good he is, and it's, there's been some mixed messages. Well, I, yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's a tight end. He is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you, Jamie, you think Moore is going to get more targets than Njoku? I do. I, I, I think he's, you know, as, as a player, I think he's a better player than Njoku is as a player, and so given their respective positions. I, I also think, look, he's, he's got to stay on the field. I mean, he's always banged up. You know, last sure. year, what, missed three games, four games? You know, it's just, three. It's, it's been a problem for him. Now, the, um, I, I think their personnel moves, you know, the fact that they didn't really bring in, maybe it's a Harrison Bryant situation, but, you know, that they, you know, let Austin Hooper go and they don't necessarily, you know, bring in anybody else last year to replace him. 
is is telling, and they didn't really do anything to address the position again this year. So that shows you the confidence they have in him, plus the contract situation that they gave him last season. So there's a lot to like about his upside. But I, I, I think last year, you know, was so strange because you hear people from Cleveland, and they said how much they just, <clears throat> at the end of the season, they just wanted to feature Watson and get away from what they their, I think their, the core beliefs of their offense are. You know, and so we'll see what they do this year because allowing Kareem Hunt to walk, you know, and, and not necessarily replacing him, that, that may say, okay, we're going to have a little bit more balance and allow Deshaun Watson to sort of dictate how the offense goes, more so maybe than, you know, the run game. But I still think it's going to be a run-first offense, and, and the passing game will sort of support that as opposed to be as much as Watson could be a star, the, the, the feature part of what they do. And Heath, what's your target breakdown if you have that? Yeah, I've got... Uh... Cooper at 126, Najoku at 103, Moore at 86. Okay, so that's that's pretty much a big difference in the analysis there. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for today's show. How are you guys doing in the Scott Fishbowl so far? What do we got? One pick in. Uh, what pick did you have? Let's let's. So it's a twelve bunch of twelve team leagues, over three thousand people competing, and it's a third round reversal, and you do get to pick your draft spot. So uh, it's and it's, scoring is insane, but there's PPR scoring. Tight ends get two points per catch and two points per first down, um, and regular everyone else gets one point per catch, one point per first down. Tight ends get only four points for a touchdown. I think running backs and wide receivers get five. Uh, it makes your head spin, but it is a super flex league. So uh, Jamie, what pick did you have, and who'd you take? I have not made a pick. We're one pick. In oh, oh, you, oh! Draft. I thought you were one pick in. No, no, no. Your we team. made one pick. <laughs> Who was it? I'm Mahomes. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you get a half a, a quarter of a point for every carry, so that favors the workhorse running backs and of course the quarterbacks who run a lot. Uh, Heath, what about you? Where are you in? I had the 101. I took Mahomes. Um, there have been eight picks made in my league. Um. And I will say, like, if anybody is listening, and I, I tweeted this out just a minute ago, if if you really love Scott Fish and you want to do something nice for him, I think everybody does, the faster we can get through round one, the better. Because he is kind of stressed and on the clock himself. Because if somebody doesn't show up in round one, he has to replace them. Once all the picks have been made for round one for every league, then he gets to relax. Okay. Well, that's good. That's, help him out. Make some picks. What pick do you have, Jamie? I have the eighth pick. Okay. I yep. am on deck. I have the 11th pick. I made my first pick. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who did you take? Well, the picks were Hurts, Allen, Kelsey, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Burrow, McCaffrey, Herbert, Fields, Justin Jefferson. I took Austin Eckler. Uh, Jamar Chase just went. Jeff Haverleck, dynasty dude. Uh, he took Jamar Chase. He's on the clock now. He just picked, so I'm thinking he's going to pick again. I know who I want to take. I don't want to say it. I don't want like maybe he's watching. I don't know. I know who I want. If he takes, I'm gonna. Have you factored in the uh, third round reversal into your decision? Adam? No, it doesn't really change anything for me. You get you get a quarterback, right? Yeah. So I, I don't really care. Whatever, it's for fun. I I just. I know who I ah obviously you gotta know who I, I want Trevor Lawrence I really want Trevor Lawrence here but if I don't get Trevor Lawrence I'll probably take Deshaun Watson with the rushing uh, with the rushing factor so hopefully Jeff We're is not listening Richardson. and doesn't take uh, Trevor Lawrence take Richardson play to win 
Oh, God, no. <laughs> no way. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we will talk to you tomorrow. Two shows tomorrow. Dynasty at 10 a.m. And best wide receivers in rounds four through six. The league winners in rounds four through six uh, at 11 a.m. And that one you'll hear tomorrow. Dynasty will hear over the weekend. See you later. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.